Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Dr. Hafisa Khan, who I was introduced through Instagram. She could be found at, on Instagram as Heartbeat Doctor is her handle. And she has upwards of 20,000 followers that she's gained in the last year doing Instagram as a hobby. And she is an incredible physician and a mom. She works in Texas as a cardiac electrophysiologist. And she's out there providing education about what it's like to be a physician and a cardiac electrophysiologist and a mother in the field of medicine. She's really got some great insights, and we had a great conversation. I am so lucky to be here with Hafisa Khan, who is a cardiac electrophysiologist, and she is going to talk about her career and tell us all the things that she, amazing things she's done, and we'll get into the struggle that maybe she's had with imposter syndrome or the experience that she's had with it. So welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. I guess let's jump, let's just jump right in. And my first question, I guess, would be, do you, have you heard of the term imposter syndrome in the past? Is this new? Have you experienced it as a physician or a mom or anything? So I had not heard of the term until I joined social media a year ago. Uh, And then I realized that was what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. So social media has allowed me to find labels for what I had been going through. Uh, You know, I'm a Gen X woman and I trained and grew up in an era where there was no connectivity the way it is right now. So, and I practice in a specialty that has only, you know, 6% women. So imposter syndrome is, as you you know, women experience it more. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't realized that was what was happening to me because the men don't talk about it. Right. So I, I was in a bubble. So I'm one of only eight women electrophysiologists in the state of Texas. Oh my gosh! So wow. so there's only ever other women, and also the so I'm I'm a woman in in the middle of a boomer white man world. Mm-hmm. So they don't talk about it. So then when I joined Instagram and social media and I read all these things, I'm like, oh, this is what I felt. There's a word for this. It's called a microaggression. Oh, there's yeah. a word for this. This is imposter So you see, I had no idea. I thought it was just me and I was the problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah. then I realized, oh, my God, there are books on this. But yeah. I only ever read medical journals. So yes. how would I read, like, now I listen to podcasts, like, right. uh, you know, the HBR, Women at Work. I'm, I, my eyes are open now. But my eyes yeah. were opened by social media because when you practice in a man's world, the men don't talk about that. It's so true. I mean, they, they may have it, but they don't acknowledge it. So right. then I thought, and then you start thinking that, that you are the problem. And I, I thought I was the problem. Yeah. Or the and problem think, was, that was me. Yeah. And I think that's so common. I hear that all the time. And I certainly thought it was the same way that it's this problem that only I had and that you mm-hmm. think you're the only one who feels like a fraud. Mm-hmm. So I think what's so important is that we just talk about it more so that people know that they're not alone in this yes. feeling. So what were the kind of things that you were feeling that made you that that you were like that you made the connection from I have this thing like that it called imposter syndrome? What kind of things would would well, you feel? 
Well, I think that, you know, number one, women are more likely to get it. And number two is perfectionists are more likely yes. to get it. So uh, I am a perfectionist. So I've chosen a specialty that has required three years of internal medicine, three years of cardiology, two years of cardiac electrophysiology. So I tr I've trained for eight years and I've oh. picked a micro, micro specialty mm -hmm. because I know that I need to know absolutely everything about my field. Do you, you see? So I realize yes. that I am a perfectionist. So perfectionists are more likely to feel it because if you have a complication, which of course you can have, I do procedures, patients are sick, then uh, you blame yourself. But a man doesn't blame themselves for a surgical procedure or complication. It's a patient. They had tough anatomy. Right. Uh, it, they, were, they were critically ill already. Whereas a woman is more likely to say, oh, I just wasn't good enough and I should have done, do you know? So yeah. I did that. So that, number one, I'm a perfectionist. Number two is that I think that imposter syndrome is more likely to happen when you feel like you don't belong in there, like you're the yes. only one of your type. So I'm a brown woman. And as I mentioned, I'm a brown woman in the midst of a white boomer man mm -hmm. specialty. So I just never fit. So I just always, you're walking in the meeting, it's, uh, you know, I don't walk around thinking I'm a brown Indian woman, right? But when you walk right. in a meeting and they're all white men, you then know, feel your skin like color feels more and obvious. your gender. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I'm the only woman in that room. Yeah. So, and then, so that's, I think that people who are, if you're a minority in that room, either because of your gender, your ethnicity, your sexual orientation, you're more likely to be felt, feel like a fraud in the middle of all those people uh, who are the same and you're the outsider. Mm -hmm. And then I think that also culturally, uh, I'm, uh, my parents immigrated from India and I'm a first generation American. So we're always taught as Indian women that uh, everything that we're, if you achieve something, it's through luck. Yeah. That all of oh, your wow. success is because of luck. So for years, I would never tell people that I have a degree from MIT or that I trained at Harvard. I would just say, oh, I, I was in Boston. Wow. Because I felt like we were, all, we're always taught to be humble, that you yeah. shouldn't brag about these things. So it's not like I'm bragging. It's just I'm stating a fact. I trained right. at Brigham and Women's Hospital, and I have a degree from Harvard, MIT. But, you know, you, know, you downplay your successes mm -hmm. as a woman. That um, is so true. It's so true. Uh, and I think... Is that, I'm not sure if that's cultural or what. Well, it's, I mean, certainly I think there's some cultural shifts that different cultures, I mean, are teaching their daughters differently, but I think the, in general, women are taught to feel that way. Um, and certainly I have the same kind of hesitation about even saying I'm a doctor to people. Like when people ask what I do, I feel awkward mm -hmm. admitting that I'm mm -hmm. a doctor. And it's like, cause that would be bragging. It's like, that's so mm -hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. Like this is my job. That is. That's it. And also I feel like, uh, you know, I felt like in our culture, we're trained that you, you downplay all of your accomplishments. So I got really lucky and I got accepted to the Brigham yeah. um, or that, no, I didn't get lucky. I made my own luck by working hard and uh, mm -hmm. I, I earned every bit of what I have achieved. So using words like luck or uh, I got lucky, yeah. uh, using diminishing language yeah. to, to, to minimize myself and my accomplishments, uh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Yeah. So it when had been were you such able, a habit. 
Yeah. When were you able to make that shift? A year to, ago. A year, year ago. Wow. <laughs> so I have. So like I said, I live in a, a bubble of. Yeah. Uh, I, I live in a little bubble of white men, and mm-hmm. they don't talk about it. And I only ever. I never read journal. I never read anything outside of medicine mm-hmm. or like a, a novel. I never read like self help or yeah. you know. So, um, so through Instagram. I like, wow. oh, I, you know, like a uh, girl don't apologize. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I realized that the language I, I had fallen into a pattern of using diminishing language to uh, always saying, I'm so sorry, or mm-hmm. um, uh, I hate to interrupt. Or, or the other thing, what I would do is uh, a no is a no and a yes is a yes. So I would talk too much to explain myself and then, you know, I just needed to say a sentence. Um, I'm busy, and I'll be there in 10 minutes. Yeah. Or uh, I don't agree with uh, your policy on this. Mm-hmm. And end it. Right. And uh, no, no explanation needed. Correct. Yeah. But I would explain myself through diminishing words yes. to then put myself down and then be surprised as to why I was, uh, that the outcomes would happen the way the outcomes happened. Mm-hmm. Or that people wouldn't think that I was a leader because, uh, you know, I use words to minimize myself. Yeah. Subconsciously, so, it'd become a pattern for me. Yeah. It, you were just, yeah, it just happened. You didn't even know it was happening or the effect it was having. Because I was, pl- I, you know, we get into these patterns, right? Yeah. Uh, and it was just, uh, I had get in, gotten into that pattern. I, I didn't realize, I, my eyes are open now, so I hadn't mm-hmm. realized that I was doing this. Yeah. Until Have you I made any I'm read sorry, that other people do it? Yeah. And then you were like, oh my gosh, this is happening. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you made any changes or have you, have you shifted that kind of internal dialogue oh, yes. at all? Yeah. Oh, so what kind, absolutely. Of, what kind of dialogue do you use now? Well, number one, I, d- I don't start every email or sentence with, I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, and um, I talk less. Sometimes over-explaining and over-talking. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that people get uncomfortable by silence. Yes. So I just sit and I listen and I make notes and I think very carefully before I say something mm-hmm. and I don't talk too much. And I, um, I, I now I mean, acknowledge my successes and I speak it out loud. And number two is... I'm not so hard on myself. Um, mistakes happen, complications happen. Uh, I can't do everything, so I feel like I I'm hold I don't hold myself to as a standard. Uh, I realize that perfect. I used to think that perfectionism was an asset of mine. Mm-hmm. I realize that it's not, because it I was holding myself to an impossible standard. Right. That no one could reach and then continually beating myself up for not being able to reach what was totally impossible. Mm-hmm. So I, I used to think, oh, I, of course I have to be a perfectionist. I take care of people's heartbeats. Heartbeats yeah. are a vital sign. But what I realize now is that uh, perfectionism is a, is a character flaw. Mm-hmm. It's not an asset. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, so I'm... I realize that now and I'm like, Oh my God, why didn't I realize this 20 years ago? Yeah. But there wasn't these media and forums. There was no such things as podcasts and right. uh, 
blogs. Yeah. And I think just, it's so hard because medicine in general, like the culture of medicine breeds perfectionism and it's really a hard thing to break, I think, in medicine. Well, it's because we train the way we train in the military. Mm -hmm. It's hierarchical mm -hmm. and we don't question the dominance of the person in the, you know, the category above us. Mm -hmm. And also we're taught to feel like we're stupid numbskulls. Yeah, all the true. time. Yeah. The way we teach the Socratic method, pimping. Mm -hmm. And why is it so hard to get into medical school? You and I know, we know doctors who are not geniuses. Mm -hmm. But you have to somehow be, I mean, you, it's so hard to get into medical school. It's so hard to get into competitive fellowships. So you're always feeling like you're just never good enough for the next yeah. step of the ladder. So the whole training process is wrong. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it has to change. And I think that the way we teach through pimping and through humiliating people who don't know things breeds imposter syndrome. And I, oh, yeah. But, but I wonder the culture has to change. But I hope the culture changes because more women will enter, right? And yep. maybe some uh, current generation who this is the way and it's always done this way. Right. And this is the only way. Maybe once that changes, um, things will get better. But until then, uh, young people, young women uh, need to know that they they got to own their success. Because mm -hmm. if they feel that they're not good enough, other people will take you for the value that you place on yourself. Exactly. Yes, so when that's you place so the value of yourself zero, other people take you at that value. Exactly. And then you're like, oh, why don't people value me? Mm -hmm. Well, because you don't even value yourself. Right. And it's, I think for, it's so common for women to seek for validation from external sources mm -hmm. instead of creating their own validation from within themselves, which is what truly matters. Well, I think of a training makes that happen. Yeah. We have so many standardized tests mm -hmm. and scores and numbers, you see? So, yeah. so we're always seeking value. We always have to have letters of recommendation. Yeah. We always have mentors with... So the whole process yeah. involves external validation. Yep, and rank lists and correct scores. You yeah. see? Yep. So then that becomes part of who you are. But I think the key thing is to, when you do have a success, uh, acknowledge it and write it down. So mm -hmm. in med, the med school days, remember when you're applying for uh, things, you keep a list of all of your volunteer activities, all your yeah. awards. But somehow once we get into practice, we stop keeping track of those things. Mm -hmm. That's true. So I think it's important to keep a running tab of everything that you've done that's been successful. Mm -hmm. uh, you saw 15 new consults this last month uh, on service when, you know, and nobody else has seen that many or yeah. you had, uh, you know, you generated the most RVUs for your practice in the last quarter or mm -hmm. uh, no matter what the success is, it yeah. changes, right? It, it's not a grade anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. It could be a monetary success. It could be a patient care-related success. Write it down because then it's it's real when it's written yeah. down. And it reminds yourself that uh, you have value by writing it down mm -hmm. when how you're applying you, for our jobs. Yeah. Um, how have you worked on this whole concept of, I don't want to brag, 
and I just, but that, but sharing your achievements. Cause I think that's a really important concept for women to understand that it's okay to share your achievements and not feel like you're bragging. How have you worked that out? Well, number one, I'm all, I'm with all men. Mm-hmm. So from a man, they don't ever call it bragging. Yeah, it's true. There's no such thing as bragging in a man's world. Yeah. <laughs> it's just calling. It's, it's like saying it's it as it is. Yeah. 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 So bragging is only a woman's thing. And we women, we humble brag. Mm-hmm. Right? So humble yep. bragging is where you're, uh, you want to brag about it, but you feel guilty about bragging about it. So you couch it in a negative term. So men don't do that. Right. So you see, right. I, I just brag. Because I'm in a world where men don't call it bragging. Yeah. It just, it's stating a fact. Perfect. Because I, there are no women around me. I mean, yeah, well, there's eight in, in the whole state. Yeah. I have a junior partner now. They probably don't get so, together that much often. <laughs> yeah. So do you see? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very different in a, how, in a man's world than in a woman's world. Yeah. It's so true. But, I was going to ask you about the whole like the doctor mom and trying to juggle those two things. Did you ever have the same kind of feelings of an imposter or a fraud as in your role as a mom? Oh, all the time. Mm-hmm. So all the time I have two sons and I would always be running late. You know, my cases run as an electrophysiologist, you know, the ablation run, finishes whenever it finishes. Mm-hmm. So I was never the, the mom for the, the cupcakes were always bought. They were never homemade. Yeah. The parties were just kind of pizza parties or movies. It wasn't everything wasn't perfect. The cake wasn't perfect. So, and then when my sons ended up having to go to a private school because, uh, you know, their needs, then those moms are intense. They would be stay, you know, mm-hmm. many of them would be stay at home moms. And I bet they didn't, they probably were intimidated by me, but mm-hmm. I was intimidated by them. Yeah, because I would go in scrubs. I'm running late. My hair had been in a cap or bonnet, and the, it was. I always looked, uh, felt that I wasn't. I was disheveled, not groomed, in a rush. Um, and the other moms seemed so calm and cool and collected. But in retrospect, I bet they didn't uh, look at me that way. I bet yeah. they looked at me and thought, oh, my gosh, she's a cardiologist, cardiac electrophysiologist. Yeah. And their standoffishness was because they were intimidated by me. Yeah. Not because they were um, rude. You see, yeah. I, I uh, so I think that when you have imposter syndrome, it makes you feel be aloof um, and prevent from feeling connections from other people who may be intimidated by you. Right. But you That's are thinking you're at the bottom of the heap. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So, yeah, I, you, I felt like I lost some opportunities to make some real friends amongst those moms. Yeah. Have you felt, since you kind of recognized this imposter syndrome thing and the language you were using for yourself, have you noticed since you've been aware that it exists, that you've been, have, you know, that you've enjoyed more career satisfaction now that you know what that is and those feelings are? Well, I would say this is I'm happy and I'm confident. Yeah. I'm not just, I think the other thing that I've learned is to, uh, to forgive yourself and to be kind to yourself and not beat myself up about things. Yeah. So, uh, you know, only God is perfect and we're not God. Mm -hmm. So I will never achieve that level of perfection and I'm not a bad doctor or mother or wife for not achieving that. 
Right. And that has given me peace. That has given me so much peace. Just saying those words and mm-hmm. acknowledging that I cannot be that perfect. Uh, that is like a, I don't know how, I can't believe that I've gone 20 years and just in this last year, realizing and acknowledging that has been a weight lifted off of me. Yeah, that's incredible. I think that that's such an important statement is finding a, a sentence or something that you can anchor to when you feel those feelings of imposter syndrome creep in. Because exactly like you said, like you can say that statement to yourself and it can just be like complete peace washing over you and you can feel like confident and comfortable in your own skin. And Which happy. makes such a huge difference. And, and happy. happy. Yeah. And happy. Yeah. Uh, just to be happy. Uh, happiness is a goal. Um, so perfection isn't the goal. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the value of happiness and satisfaction that you've done your best yeah. and you've given it your best. Whatever the outcome is, you've given it 100%. And that gives me happiness and satisfaction. That's perfect. I have one more question, and you've already given um, a ton of great tips, but if there is one thing that you could tell a young uh, medical student or a resident today, what would it be? Uh, Don't let the system beat you down. Mm. Uh, The way we train physicians uh, is to to create burnout before you've even started your first day of the job. Don't forget who you are as a person. So I forgot who I was as Hafiza as I transitioned to become Dr. Khan. Mm-hmm. My hobbies, the things I used to love to do, um, to laugh, to be uninhibited, to be not always, uh, not always to be the perfect Dr. Khan. Yeah. I had lost who the essence of who I was as I be, uh, entered this career that is so male-dominated. Um, and then when I looked around, I didn't remember who I was. Mm-hmm. And I had to find my friends. I had no friends left. Don't lose your friends. Don't lose who you are because um, that requires cultivation to find them again. Yeah. So... Yes, you'll be a physician, you'll be an electrophysiologist. Um, So we have so many hats and labels that we wear, but don't forget who you are before you started the journey and don't let this journey destroy that person. Right, because you you can be more than a physician. You can be a mom Uh and a guitar player or a baker or whatever and a doctor. Oh, absolutely. And, And the world has joy. The way we train is joyless mm-hmm. and full of suffering and exams and the witnessing of suffering. Yeah. So we bear witness to suffering. And so don't forget your friends, your family, and the mm-hmm. little joys. And don't forget your hobbies. Yeah. Have a hobby that is creative. You know, the right brain, left brain. Uh, you need a creative hobby that you can keep with you. Uh, when life is stressful, that gives you um, value outside of your your job as a physician. We have value outside of our physician role. Absolutely. And I had forgotten that. Because mm-hmm. everything was tied up in being a doctor. So when that burns out, well, there's nothing else. 
So, or being a mom. And then when my kids, I became an empty nester. Mm -hmm. So you see my two values were mother, doctor. And when my sons went to college, I didn't have mother. And then I was burnt out as a doctor. So then I was uh, bewildered because I then had nothing. Yeah. And then you I realize that now. You made this, <laughs> create this amazing hobby on Instagram and now you're changing lives. <laughs> so that's well, amazing. I, that's I love, incredible. I love to teach. So yeah, so I'm a virtual mentor. I love to yeah. teach. I I had to sacrifice my academic uh, goals for um, being a mom. You know, I mm-hmm. couldn't do research and KO8 and R01 NIH grants and do procedures for 10 hours and be a mother. So I love to teach. I love to write. I have forgotten all that. Mm-hmm. I do love to write. I love to educate. I love to find a topic. I love to take pictures. Um, and I have reclaimed uh, the joy that I have outside of my job. And it has helped me be joyful in my job. That's awesome. It's so true because then you feel like a whole person again. Absolutely true. I was... Uh, I was fragmented and yeah. I didn't realize that was happening to me. Um, but now we have social media, we have podcasts, we have people who talk about these things. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I I feel so foolish that I didn't even know any of these words until uh, a year ago. Yeah, I think that's, so, that's a similar story for so many people because now we're finally talking about it and bringing it to the light, all of this internal suffering we've been doing alone. Mm-hmm. And we're not alone. Right. Uh, that's the key. Yep. To know that other people are going through it uh, validates it. And to have a label to attach to what you're going through, that yeah. has really helped me. Microaggression. Mm-hmm. Prove it bias. You know, I just, uh, oh, that's all. That's all. Now when it happens to me, oh, that was a microaggression. That was a macroaggression. So now, you know, I, it, that helps me categorize it and move on from it. Because we know that there's labels because other women and other people yeah, have experienced have it. Experienced and it, yeah. this is not a me issue. This is an implicit bias or an explicit bias that's happening to me at this moment. Well, I want to thank you so much. This has been a, oh. such a wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed your time. I know you probably have to get back to, <laughs> to work. So I'll let thank you go. Thank you so but... much for inviting me. And thank you for all that you do. Oh, thank you. I feel like... Uh, there's so many resources now, and yeah. like I said, I told you I'm an I'm an Xer, and X fits my generation. One foot in the boomer world and one foot looking mm-hmm. at the millennial world. Mm-hmm. So realizing that the boomer world of work until you drop dead, uh, that's not normal. Right. Um, so yeah, and social media has helped me so much in in realizing that there are a lot of bad things that could possibly happen, but. I've connected with so many amazing people like you, and I've learned so much from uh, women younger to me. Mm-hmm. And I just wish I had embarked on this journey. I hadn't waited until I burnt out to to seek help uh, for myself. Yeah. Well, and and your help, and just now that you're here, it's good that you're paying it forward. I think that's such a big deal that you know you're taking this information and running with it and helping helping women from all walks of life, which is such a big deal. I think we all need to be doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Kristen, for inviting me. And uh, thank you to all of your listeners for hearing, uh, hearing my story.